Ready to go? All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Everybody, thank you and welcome to a, another episode of The Art of Mindful Medicine. I'm Dr. Seth Gilson, and my guest today is Brian Maurer. So I'm going to give a little intro about Brian, and then we're going to jump right into it because uh, I'm, I'm really interested to, to hear some of uh, his takes on, on the topic for today. So Brian is a co-founder at Bristle. Brian received his BA in International Business from the University of San Diego. And after receiving his degree, Brian spent seven years in the commercial organization at Illumina, driving adoption of genomic technology and applications into new and emerging markets. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Brian, Brian then joined Twist Bioscience to manage the growth of their genomic sequencing business in Northern California. He has a passion for applying novel technology in healthcare to improve patient outcomes. Awesome. So Brian, welcome. Appreciate you taking some time to, to be here with us today. Uh, I always like to start with gratitude. So if you could please share with us three things that you're grateful for today. Yeah, I mean, first off, thank you so much for having me. Uh, great leading with gratitude. So thankful to be here and uh, to be speaking to your community, the great community you've, you've helped build. Um, in thinking about what I'm grateful for. I mean, the first things that come to mind are my health. Uh, I, you know, the Confucius quote really rings true that a healthy man wants a thousand things, a sick man only one. Um, so very lucky to have my health and also the health of my family and friends. Um, been just extremely blessed and lucky with the people I have around me. Um, and you know, I know those are the, the common answers, but another one is just conversation. Um, which is a great lead in here, but just the ability to connect with other people like yourself, people who think alike, even more interesting people who think differently, um, to really be able to share our thoughts and learn from one another. So, um, you know, even just opportunities like this to, to communicate and learn, um, I would say those are three of the big things. Yeah, no, no, thank you for sharing. And then you touched on a little something there. And then and a lot of times people think that uh, the gratitude has to be this big orchestrated uh, speech of something that's so profound. And personally, in my life, I find that on a daily basis, just being grateful for the little things are really what just add up to making a, a well-rounded, happy uh, person. You know, um, see, seeing the sunrise, seeing the sunset, things like that. It's just, it, it's, it's beautiful. So um, nothing's too little. And I, and I appreciate you sharing those things. Yeah, of course. And that was, I think that's such a salient point because that was something as I got into gratitude exercises and gratitude journaling, that was a big, I think, unlock for me was, you know, being grateful for the crunch of chips or, you know, the any little thing when you really start to appreciate how much you are grateful for, it really does just brighten. I, I know when I do my gratitude journaling just brightens the whole day of like, okay, I can now appreciate at that my new level. So it's a great call out. Yeah, for sure. That, that cumulative effect is really, really something. Um, but in your intro, I mentioned something called Bristle. So yes. what is Bristle? And there and is there an interesting story behind the name and things like that? Yeah, so Bristle is uh, our startup. It's an oral microbiome testing company. So we've developed a saliva test that comprehensively profiles all of the bacteria and fungi uh, in the oral cavity from a saliva sample. So the good, bad, 700 plus species. Um, the name was actually just, uh, I'd started the company with my best friend, Danny Granick, um, and we had gone back and forth on names a whole lot, um, but we ended up landing on Bristle um, originally because we had thought we'd use like a toothbrush to try to collect the saliva sample. Turns out not the best way to try to get a comprehensive sampling, but the name stuck. Um, and so we do enjoy uh, the name Bristle. It gets you thinking about oral health, but um, you know, a different type of way to think about it. Yeah, I mean, I personally love it. That's why I was just curious uh, if there was a story behind the name, because it's obviously very appropriate. So. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's catchy. It's easy, it's easy to remember, you know? Um, but let's talk a little bit about you first before we get into what you do and, and, and more about the, the company. So I'd like oh. you to share, share a little bit about yourself and your past. Um, basically, I mean, what's life looked like through your eyes in the past? 
Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned in my uh, bio, um, I hadn't come from a scientific background. In undergrad, I really thought I'd be doing something with international business. Um, and I was going to school in San Diego and sort of tripped and fell into the genetics and genomics industry. Um, San Diego is a huge biotech hub and ended up getting an internship at this company called Illumina. Um, you know, for my first few months there, I couldn't figure out why we were sequencing DNA and RNA and what the real takeaways were, but, um, you know, became just fascinated by all the different applications and, you know, eventually put the work in to really level up my genomics knowledge, um, learn from all the great scientists I was working with and uh, just uncovered this burgeoning field of genomics where we were seeing cutting edge applications across so many different disciplines. Um, and for myself personally, I'd always been really interested in science. And um, But being able to see how we could marry it with business, the other thing I was really interested in, um, and really start to understand, you know, how do we take things from the cool technology kind of research angle to the real practical applications. And I know I'm focusing on business, not, not as much on my personal side there. But um, the other thing I'm very passionate about, as I mentioned, are relationships. And so being able to marry that, I was using on the sales side where I could go and just talk to labs, talk to scientists about whatever that cool application was they were doing, nerd out for a bit, and then do everything possible to help ensure we made them successful um, was just fascinating. And then what I realized we really loved was seeing the outcomes with patients. You know, every once in a while, I would get to talk to the end users of these companies who got the right diagnosis or got the right type of treatment at the right time and um, just became really passionate about figuring out how we could get closer to the patient or how I could in my career. Um, and ended up with Bristle trying to solve a problem I had. So I was somebody who, for the longest time, not an obvious choice for starting an oral health care company. If you see my radiographs or knew my history, um, I really struggled with my oral health and became very fascinated in why I would do the things I thought I was supposed to, but not see the results. And, you know, as a biohacker and person who became very interested in my health, I thought it was weird that I could have a glucose monitor, I could test every different analyte in my body, but for my oral cavity, I didn't have any good way to actually see the underlying root cause. Um, and so Danny and I, we had worked with so many gut microbiome companies and skin microbiome companies and any type of microbiome you could think of, but we missed right under our nose, the oral microbiome. And uh, ultimately that's sort of what took us to, to where we're at today. Beautiful, um, thank you for that. And uh, along this journey, I mean, did you have, I mean, in, in your personal journey, did you have any significant challenges that kind of molded you into the person where I know you said you worked with uh, a lot of different, you worked with a few different companies and you had, you had some stumbling blocks and things like that. I mean, what, what were some of those challenges like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one was just getting into a technical field um, without the background. It really had me have to learn from square one and from the ground up, um, which, you know, when you're getting into a field like DNA sequencing and genomics, there's a lot of jargon and a lot of technical concepts you really need to wrap your head around. Um, but I think one of the biggest insights from that was that it was very fortuitous because now we need to figure out how we translate the significance of these things to patients. You know, how do we explain what a microbiome is? Thankfully, that has come a long way, but, you know, why should you care about all these different things or all these different aspects of healthcare? And how do you communicate it? Because if patients aren't understanding the benefit or aren't appreciating why things are recommended, uh, ultimately there's always gonna be this disconnect. So I think uh, although that was a huge challenge and kind of felt like I was redoing a new undergrad, uh, just trying to learn the science, uh, ultimately became a huge asset. Oh, that, that's great. And I can definitely appreciate it. I mean, what, yeah. for example, in dental school, I mean, when we start, I mean, dental nomenclature, like you have to literally learn a dental language. It's like one of the first classes you take because 
everything is different. So I can imagine what that's like just moving into the scientific space and just like you said, there's so much jargon. <laughs> uh, and you, you again mentioned that you worked with quite a few uh, really top scientists. I mean, did you have any role models either then or previously in your life? Um, so at that time, it was, you know, I had some different role models at the companies I worked at where, uh, you know, you, I think a lot of times you try to look for who's ahead, who's accomplished what you'd want to accomplish. So leaders at the company or leaders of different startup companies or different labs that I would get to see. Um, I think one of them that comes to mind, his name's Dave Daly. Um, he's a big leader in the biotech space, but what I always appreciated was he had a servant leadership mindset and any decision, any communication always came back to the patient first and to the end user first. And I think that was something that really helped guide just me as a person and me in terms of, um, cause it extended well beyond business. A lot of his t teachings, when he would tell you about it, you know, it's become very interested in other people and become very interested in their problems and how you can help. And from that, all the other good value and learnings will come. But um, I would say from the personal side, he was a huge role model. Um, and, you know, it's, I think it was really just seeing all the different scientists at Stanford and UCSF and these areas I got to work in where they would approach these massive problems of, you know, cancer and non-invasive prenatal testing and just the creative ways they would come to the solutions of it through hacking our tech and breaking things and using the boxes the way they're not supposed to. Uh, it was it was all very inspiring. I really like the scientific mindset there. No, that's great. And well, actually, one of my favorite parts of what, what you just said is that it doesn't sound, I mean, obviously you get, you, I'm sure you get into plenty of rabbit holes, but it, it doesn't sound like you got lost in the science. Like it, it wasn't just, that wasn't, obviously that was the main focus, but it wasn't just about that. It was really about people and communities and how to really, you know, share and, and help others. That's something that I think we really need more focus on. And, and it's nice to hear that that was um, really, I mean, kind of like your introduction to this whole thing. Yeah, very grateful to have that lens. Candidly, probably just not smart enough to do anything on the very technical rabbit hole side, so I'll take that. But yeah, yeah. I, I really have tried to embrace that role of how do we take the incredible technology that's out there and that's been created and make it impactful for patients and for practitioners to use. Yeah, which is amazing. That's it's really, it's, it's so important and it's just like a, to me, I, I see that lacking in a lot of um, major companies these these days. But um, and we're we're talking about Bristol and company. So, what has it been like to start this new company? I mean, what's the journey look like? I mean, you, I'm sure you guys have encountered challenges. Yeah, it. I mean, you. I know you know it well. The startup journey and creating something new. Um, it's it's a constant process. Um, you know, I think we've been extremely lucky to get where we have and have had a great support system. But, you know, I think what's been so insightful throughout the process is just getting really comfortable being wrong a lot um, and really embracing it as learning opportunities of, you know, we hadn't done startups before. We had never worked in oral health or the dentistry space before. So there was just so much to learn. Um, and you're constantly like, okay, here's, I've got this figured out, you know, I, this is what we do. This is why people are going to buy it. And then you do it and they tell you you're way off. And it's like just being able to kind of, I think, adapt that mindset of more data. Great. So now we can adapt, we can make changes, we can adapt, we can make changes. And, um, I think one of the big things, you know, getting back to the mindfulness idea is just really taking my my met i tell my girlfriend and my friends you know the time i take to meditate to do the gratitude uh, i'll go in so anxious and have so many things floating around in my mind and taking that stillness time to just kind of process i always come out i'm just like what a lucky opportunity we have you know despite all the hardships 
three, four years ago, I would have given anything to be in this position. So just keep learning. Yeah. No, no, that's a, it's a great mindset. Um, it, it's not, it's not about whether you fail or succeed, as long as you learn and you just keep moving forward. That's, that's the process, right? Oh. Um, and, and thank you for bringing up mindfulness. So, uh, what, what, what does mindfulness mean to you? Yeah. I mean, for me, um, it's really just being able to take that reset time. And I, I touched on it there, but just focusing on what is important. And I think whenever I'm, you know, I've, I've really leaned into great gratitude and gratefulness meditation. I think it can be so, you know, as you're encountering a lot of different challenges throughout the day or taking on all these new responsibilities, it can be very tempting to get lost in the what ifs and to get lost in the things that aren't actually that important um, or at the end of the day, not going to actually matter, you know, in, in the next day or in any material way. So being able to constantly just, or, you know, throughout the day, take those moments of deep breath or stretching or whatever it is, or just going for a walk around the neighborhood and kind of, uh, I always use the example of like defragging my computer of just, clearing out all that excess space and just getting back to okay you know very lucky we have a good mentality now now let's go um go for the problem so uh i think mindfulness in that sense for me is just constantly trying to and it's extremely difficult i think anybody who practices mindfulness will tell you it is as you know well um but just constantly trying to recenter to what is really important why are we doing this and um how are we going to do it? Yeah, I mean, you said a couple of uh, uh, several things here that really uh, resonate with me. And, and, and it is a practice. It's not like there's, I mean, yeah, people can teach mindfulness and things like that. But I mean, there's no master, in, in my view, anyway, so there's, no, there's no master of mindfulness, you know, it, it's, just, it's a constant thing. And the other thing is, like you said, coming back to center and creating that balance between things, because there's, there's highs and lows. But it, if we can balance those things out, so they're not so different, right? Um, there's not such a drastic difference. I mean, and right. that makes a makes all the difference in the world. And like you said, it and for me as well, it, you can, I can just start to focus more on what's here now and what's really important. And when I do those types of things, it, everything else just seems to kind of work itself up. You know, that's what I think is so powerful about it. Is you know, I. I can't explain why, but I, you know, I'm sure we can go through it. But you know, I'll be so stressed out, and then take that time, recenter, and it's always whatever those next set of actions are tend to be some of the most impactful things I can do. It's, um, you know, I want to go make a healthy meal instead of going for a cheat snack, or I want to figure out when am I going to work out throughout the day because I know, you know, once I get that clear mind, you can refocus on okay, I know what makes me really like happy and i know what makes me effective and um it's yeah once you remove the noise it can be just so much easier to to do that like you said yeah it really can be um it's yeah you said it i mean it, it's really it, it's very interesting how um the, the mindset and kind of going into it in one way and then when you come out of it, it's like you feel like a different person and i right. think it's because uh, like how we're doing this right now, this technology and all these things are, are amazing and beautiful. And I love the connections we can create with other people over long distances or even not so long distances, but it's also not getting stuck in those spaces yeah. because we have these physical bodies. We have the people around us. We have our immediate environment that I think is really important to be connected with. And, and that's, that's a, a sense of being grounded. And when we can be grounded in, in our own self, all of the noise that's just, in my view, excess just tends to, it gets to turn, you turn the volume all the way down to zero. Yeah. You know, um, that, that's just how it feels for me. And uh, that, thank you for sharing how, how your experience with it, because it, I think it's really, it's valuable for me. And I think it, it's valuable for other people to see how other real people go through these or have these experiences and, and why it's so important, how it's been so impactful um, in our lives. and. Obviously, you're saying meditation, gra gratitude practices, 
are, are some of the things that, that you've been utilizing. Um, and obviously starting a company is challenging, like some of the things that, that you said. And anybody else out there that has tried to or has successfully uh, started a company, I mean, there's challenges that you expected and then there's challenges that came out of left field. So um, the practices that you're talking about, did, the, did these come to you before or after creating Bristle? Yeah, so thankfully I had a foundation of it before Bristle. Um, I had been listening to the Sam Harris podcast for a long time um, and really he has a lot of opinions. I, I think the thing that really resonated with me was just this idea of mindfulness. And that's what's really stuck with me. And it, again, as I think as anybody who practices meditation will tell you, it's it's so difficult, even just for five or 10 minutes to remember to make that space and really remember to do it. And then to actually not be lost in thought 10 seconds in and then lost in thought again 20 seconds later. Um, but thankfully I had kind of that foundation of knowing where to look for these resources or how to get started. Um, and I think the big piece was getting to approach it exactly what you had said, hearing it from people who you know, aren't claiming to be gurus or aren't claiming to know how everything works and how everything's solved and really appreciating that just like when I'm exercising or just like when I'm doing other things, it's going to be difficult, but we know why we do it. And it's making that time. Um, Cause I think there's the business things that are difficult. And then there's the things, as you mentioned that you don't anticipate, you know, the burnout that inevitably occurs when you're working so hard on something and being able to refocus, I think through mindfulness is what really helps with some of those challenges. Um, and I know that's, rampant in healthcare and oral healthcare specifically as well. So I know for me, at least being able to just refocus on why am I doing what I'm doing? Wow, we have a really good opportunity to help a lot of people. This is killer. Then I can go back and be like, okay, let's, let's go send that email or do whatever we had to do. Yeah. And, and it's funny, you brought up the, the time aspect, like we don't have time. And I, I think some of the, the latest research is, is saying that you can get a lot of the benefits of, of meditation just in 12 minutes. Yeah. I mean, look, I understand some people are busy and not, like, but if you don't have 12 minutes in a day, <laughs> to me, it's just the priorities need to be reshifted. Um, and because it's actually that feeling, that exact feeling that goes away after yeah. you go into that space, because that actually creates so much more time of feeling and and I find that I'm way more productive after doing after going into a meditation than I felt before. I think that is such a really good point because it's, you know, I might have dedicated however long to a task, but so much of that time is spent contemplating all these what ifs or thinking about all these things. And, you know, as you mentioned, once I go and do my meditation practice or I just take the time to recenter it's it's night and day it's like mm -hmm. okay well, just do the things i it, i just go execute and then it takes half as long so i agree i think you'll make back way more time than you would imagine losing by doing mindfulness or taking the time for the practice totally and the other thing you brought up that that uh, i've heard called the monkey mind and it's, so people are like oh, i can't meditate because there's too many thoughts it's like that's the point to sit in that space and yeah. if there's somebody that's ever lived that can just make their thoughts go to zero uh, uh, on a uh, like on the spot, please please let me know because I would love to try and engage with that person if they're still around. Um, but that's the point is that you go through those things and you, to get to know oneself. That's what meditation is all about. And, yeah. and those things just kind of fall off. That's it. I think that was one of the big breakthroughs was just the, the point isn't to sit down and have a clear mind right away, but to acknowledge that you are lost in thought so much of the day or maybe lost in thought at that current moment and then just watch where they go. And you just you know, kind of have that experience of watching these first few thoughts disappear into ether. And that was a big moment of, aha, okay, 
what else is out there? You know, what else? How much deeper can I go? Um, and that's what gets really exciting is just thinking about those possibilities. Yeah, because there's so many different ways to meditate, right? I mean, you you could go and you can follow your thoughts, or you could just say, okay, this is the thought, let it pass by, and then you come back to your breath. I've heard it described as like that's one rep, like you're at the gym. Like if you notice that you're losing you're losing concentration of your breath coming back into something else and coming back to it is like one rep and you see how many reps you, you can count how many reps you go through. There's just so many different ways uh, to go about this. And the way that I loved hearing it described is the best meditation is whatever meditation you will do. You know, True. <laughs> um, so I, I hear some some of the impacts that the, the meditation has had in your life, but I mean, are are there any more profound uh, ways in which you this has kind of guided your path or, or really impacted you to, in deeper decisions? I try to think about it. You know, I think if I'm really being mindful, I find myself being much more empathetic about different situations and being a, just a much more effective person in my relationships. Of uh, you know, I find when I'm very lost in thought or when I haven't practiced in a while, can be quick to judgment, can lose sight of why somebody might be making a decision or, you know, get pretty self-interested. And it's um, just that when I have that clear mind, it allows me, like I said, I think to just be so much more effective in understanding why somebody's making the decision they're making or what somebody's going through, um, or really getting, having the free mind to be very interested in somebody's problems, which, um, you know, is my job as a startup founder. It's to talk to people, to talk to patients and really empathize with what is the struggle um, and why aren't you finding that solution now or what do you need? Or, you know, for, I've heard you discuss this with um, other practitioners in terms of being able to take that lens into your practice and into your healthcare. And uh, I think really being open to different types of solutions or being open to different types of approaches and having that empathy just makes it so much more effective for communication. And I think people really resonate with it. So I, you know, I feel like I'm bringing everything back to business, but I think just throughout my life, having more of that space um, with the free mind, it's like my text messages will build up throughout the week and then I'll do my mindfulness meditation. And all of a sudden it's like, I need to call my mom and talk to her, you know, in a couple of days, I need to do that. I need to come back to these people and uh, who, who I may not have been paying attention to. So I think it's throughout. Yeah, no, I mean, you mentioned being more empathetic with others. And I mean, um, for me, like, especially at work, it's really about compassion. And I try I try to not um, take on people's emotions, but I, I try and understand their space and how I can kind of bridge where I feel they they can be in a better health state and, and from where they are, you know. And having that compassion for people has really changed my practice and approaching things with curiosity rather than being critical or overthinking or trying to figure them out. I mean, yeah, in especially in business, it's good to try and like see the other's perspective and try to understand everything. Um, but I, I've noticed with myself, with, with patients specifically, that <clears throat> I try not to figure them out, you know? I, I try to talk to them like a human being, just like we're talking and get to understand them. And then if I can see where they're at and I can say, okay, this is where they want to go. It's like, okay, what, how can I just help them along the way? Yeah. So I think we need a lot more of that mindset, both in medicine and as you mentioned, and then just with, I think, broader society, it's, <laughs> you know, being able to just take that step back and appreciate you know, why somebody has beliefs they have, uh, whether I agree with them or not, and taking that second to really try to understand it and, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt that they're most likely a very good person and they have their thoughts of why they've reached that conclusion. And we've all had very different upbringings, I think leads to just so much better conversation and understanding. So it's awesome to hear you're 
practicing that. And I know helping spread the word with other practitioners to, to really bring that mindset, I think is so critical. Like bringing that patient-centric lens of hearing where they're coming from and uh, working with them. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a great compliment. So thank you. Um, each of us just try to do it, play our part and to try and make things a little bit better. And that's, that's the idea, right? Yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit about what, what Bristle is, um, but can you, can you dive a little bit more into Bristle now? And also the next big piece of, of this whole thing is we're throwing around this term microbiome and oral yeah. microbiome. So can you tell us a little bit more about Bristle and then what is the oral microbiome? Absolutely. Um, so Bristol, as I mentioned, was developed around leveraging the technology we had used in our past lives, DNA sequencing and genomics, to really comprehensively profile the oral microbiome. So when I say the oral microbiome, I'm referring to the community of bacteria, fungi, and viruses in the oral cavity. Um, the reason we saw the opportunity there is there had there had been past work to look at bacteria in the mouth. We've known for decades that bacteria, you know, sugar doesn't cause cavities. Bacteria do. They take different aspects of our diet, convert it into acid, leads to decay, or we know gum inflammation and other conditions are polymicrobial. It really comes down to different pathogens working together. But there was this missing component of community and really understanding not just the bad bacteria, but this relationship with the good bacteria as well. And as research came along, we realized it's not just the oral cavity, um, you know, that these oral bacteria and our oral health have implications far reaching around the body um, and is, you know, preaching to the choir here, but, you know, this really large source of inflammation that never gets discussed when we look at other parts of healthcare. Um, and, you know, so with Bristle, we wanted to give patients a way to understand the root cause of different conditions and really understand their oral health um, and work with practitioners and providers to try to more personalize their care and really start to understand and manage the root cause of these conditions. And, um, try to evolve our understanding of not just trying to disinfect the mouth, but really create a healthier environment uh, and move towards this idea of oral wellness um, for both our mouths and our overall health. So long spiel there, but that's that's Bristol. No, no, that's great. And and you, you just touched on a really important point for me that I really kind of try and focus on a lot of times with people. It's not about disinfecting the mouth. Yeah, it's 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 about and, and I think this is one of the things we're, we're talking about healthcare in general. And I, I've seen it personally. I've heard from many other practitioners and, and patients as well um, that instead of focusing on not getting sick, let's focus on being healthy or as healthy as one can be. And I know that it's like, well, aren't those kind of the same thing? And they're not the same thing when you're trying to prevent disease and you're trying to create health. They're not the same. Yeah. And moving down that path of creating health is how I think our healthcare problems are, are really going to be solved. And I, I, I personally feel that we need a lot more movement in that direction uh, because it is really heavy in the other direction. And, and I understand why, I, I, I truly do. But, I, and there's been some shifts, but I, I really think it really needs to be shoved in, in that direction about educating people about how to create a healthy environment, how to create a healthy space for ourselves and how to create a healthy body. And that, that's through and through. I couldn't agree more. And a, so much of it comes to education. Um, and, you know, the mouth offers some really great examples of the, the difference, as you mentioned, between disease prevention and moving towards optimal wellness. So, you know, we look at cavities and gum disease and how certain bacteria cause those. And so 
know, the thinking is if we eradicated all the bacteria, we wouldn't have those conditions. But we also now know that oral bacteria play a key role in producing nitric oxide. So taking nitrate from our diet and converting it into nitric oxide. And we've seen relationships where when people use antiseptic mouthwash regularly, we'll see increased rates of hypertension. Um, and so you can, you know, it gives a very clear example of, if we just try to prevent disease, we'll tend to do approaches that may actually be harming other parts of the system versus if we're creating this optimal oral environment with beneficial bacteria and these nitrate reducing species, we're actually contributing to optimal health. Um, and, you know, patients are really receptive to this. I think we've seen the rise of Andrew Huberman and Peter Atia and some of these other thought leaders that patients will take the time to really listen and get interested in their health um, if you give them the right examples and you give them the ways to do it. And I think that's part of the onus on the industry now is give these patients the right motivations and the right tools to understand and improve their health. Yeah, no, thank you for that. You, that's, you, you point out, you make some really great points there. And uh, I, in, a, in a moment, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, systemic issues, but I really want to highlight what, one of the things that you just said, that there's specific bacteria in the mouth that, what you said, break down nitrate and yeah. therefore affect our cardiovascular health. And that and this is something that people are like, what do you mean? Mouthwash affects my blood pressure? And yes, regular, regular use of those products that say kills 99.9% .9 of all bacteria that can affect and does affect our cardiovascular health. Yeah. And that's a huge, like, just what? Because, and, and so many people just like, no, 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 that's a conspiracy theory or whatever. They, they just kind of shove it aside. And it's, it's really not. So that it's great that you point that out. And you, I mean, it's, it's documented and it's there and you, you can see it. And I'm sure these are things that, that you see pretty regularly. And, um, my, my next question is what, what are some of the benefits that you actually observe from people testing the oral microbiome? Like what do they discover? And is there a suggestion for how often somebody should uh, test their oral microbiome? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, we improve what we measure. That's, that's pretty well documented. Um, so in one aspect, you know, speaking personally for myself, I had struggled with tooth decay. I had struggled with gum inflammation. Part of it was I just did not have the right education on all the different things I could be doing to optimize my oral microbiome. You know, prior to starting Bristle, I think I shared the mindset of a lot of folks where it's, you know, if you brush and floss every once in a while, you know, you're you're gonna be in optimal health. But the, you know, we could argue about toothpaste all day and toothpaste ingredients. Uh, you know, it's really about your diet and it's really about how are we managing, you know, proper hydration or looking at possible things like xylitol or different types of gums or chews, all these different ways you can be improving your oral health throughout the day. Um, and a big piece of that was, you know, one other example was I had expected to have so much tooth decay causing bacteria, um, but I found that I had very low amounts when I actually did my test and um, then really discovered, you know, so what else could be causing it and found things like mouth breathing, as, as I'm sure you and everybody else knows. Uh, I was late to, but the impacts that mouth breathing has on tooth decay. So being able to implement something like mouth, uh, like mouth tape and ensuring I'm doing proper breathing. And then I can watch those tooth decay numbers stay low while my beneficial or my nitrate reducing bacteria grow. Um, which I think, you know, long answer to your question gets to the point of we get so invigorated when we see patients reacting to their improved scores. Um, when they can look and see not just that they've reduced their gum inflammation or their tooth decay or halitosis scores, but that their beneficial bacteria are going up. Um, you know, that's, I think where you have a quantitative way to measure your progress and track that improvement um, can be very motivating. We find over 80% of our users adopt a new recommendation, whether it's something like a probiotic or increasing leafy greens in their diet or trying different things. Because when you see it quantified, it becomes a lot more real, um, which I think is one of the big benefits is 
when you understand the problem, you can start to address it more effectively. And, you know, we've really come around as an industry, or, you know, as healthcare and society that people interact with medications, with interventions differently. So being able to test at the individual level, uh, we can start to understand what works for me or what is going to work for me. Um, so I can try something, test, see if it worked, try something else, test, see if it worked, uh, and really optimize that way instead of just guessing and hoping my next checkup's clean. Yeah, no, awareness really is key to these things. Um, and and what, is there a frequency? I mean, obviously, this is very personalized, but I mean, would you say there's a, a general recommendation on frequency? Yeah, I'm sorry, I realized I missed that question. Um, so part of it is case by case, you know, always. Um, so if somebody is, you know, we see a high rate of gum inflammation and they're going for their exam, and we find symptoms of perio, you know, maybe they're going to undergo a procedure and test one to two months later, just to ensure you know, we've sufficiently reduced the levels of those bacteria we were trying to. And then three months later or so, after they've implemented dietary changes and uh, might be using a probiotic or have changed their regimen, in that three or four month time frame, retesting to see, are we now boosting those beneficial bacteria? Um, and then, you know, ultimately, once we have people in more of a stable state, maybe we look to test every six months, you know, kind of in tandem with your checkup. So, you know, we can see the, we can do the x-rays, we can see the exam, but also have that other data to marry in. Uh, or, you know, just every year, just to make sure we catch any imbalances before, um, before they become problematic. Yeah, no, that's that's really important. My 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 favorite, uh, I think, aspect of the whole bristle concept is uh, the the that the foundational part, and because that's how, that's the way I practice, the way I live my life is that uh, food is well, food and sleep are the really the foundations for health. And I mean, you brought up breathing, so that that has to do with sleep. But I, I, if we, if we don't have the foundational things in check. And if we don't have that awareness around them and the the willingness to kind of make modifications, no matter how fast or how slow someone needs to do it, but just start moving in the right direction. And that, that that's really, really important because just like you said, you can use all the products in the world. You can do, you can have all the fancy gadgets, but if you're not doing the foundational things regularly on a daily basis, you're still gonna develop problems. And so, I, I mean, what was your 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 realization or your learning like when when you kind of when that switch kind of flipped for you because you said you were in that space like what what are some of the things that really impacted your your mindset as you went from oh if i just brush and floss and go for my cleanings i'll be fine but okay this isn't working like wh where did the the switch just flip for you yeah i think it was really just once there are certain things you can't unlearn. You know, there are certain things where as soon as you see it or you read the paper or you see the data, it's it's not really up to you anymore, whether you <laughs> go back to that old way of thinking. And I think it was just, you know, frankly, I was shocked when we were getting into the space and seeing so much compelling literature and so much compelling information around um, these different interventions and how effective they are uh, and then, you know, once that light bulb goes off of we're not just playing whack-a-mole with cavities and gum disease, we are throughout the course of our day and throughout the course of our lives feeding and nurturing a healthy environment. Um, and you understand how dry mouth impacts tooth decay, or you understand, you know, how sugar works and how xylitol can really feed into that same pathway and kill those bacteria or all these different interventions. It's... I keep coming back to this idea, but it was just, I think that light bulb moment of, I have a, we use a garden analogy a lot in the mouth, looking at the mouth, uh, more of like tending a garden as opposed to going to the mechanic. Um, you know, it's something that requires constant maintenance um, and ultimately pays great dividends um, to my cardiovascular health, my neural health, um, all different areas. So uh, I think it was just the, you know, kind of that when I started talking to practitioners like you and Dr. Brahena, Stacy Whitman, a lot of these other folks um, who, you know, will say, you know, we 
that toothpaste example I, I mentioned and the products, you know, that wasn't my idea. That was a big learning where it's, yes, of course, just like everywhere else in our healthcare system, unfortunately, we try to band-aid these problems instead of looking at our oral health the same way we look at other aspects of our health. Mm -hmm. So you, you mentioned how much research and literature and, and information there is widely available. I mean, people can go access these things for basically free. Um, but why do you think it's not like, talked about as, as widespread? Like why, why aren't patients wherever they are getting the, the information that, that you're referring to? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, as at some point in healthcare, and you know, there's people who can explain this very well, the mouth was taken out of the body, it seems, in our healthcare system, and was sort of placed in its own little category. Um, and, you know, that led to a lot of silos being created, both systemically with things like insurance, and I think conversationally or um, within the healthcare field, you know, with practitioners not communicating with one another, not seeing, you know, my primary care physician refers to all different types of specialists, but I've never had a primary care physician connect me with a dentist uh, or vice versa. Um, and I think as part of that, when, you know, as we started to look at healthcare becoming much more patient driven, uh, it wasn't an obvious place to look. Um, but now what's been really exciting is with the rise of functional medicine and with the rise of really looking for prevention and root cause insights, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore, you know, we can, gut health has thankfully become very well known, but the start of the digestive tract where you're swallowing millions of bacteria a day, um, you can't ignore it because you start to look at the data and you see we need oral health to be a prominent component. So I think it's starting. It feels like the wave is is kind of catching on, uh, but it's up to us and your community and, and other like-minded individuals to ensure we're relentlessly sharing this information. And uh, I think one of the other things is just being effective with the communication. Um, you know, people hear bad. You know, gum health is associated with heart health. People are like, okay, well, everything's associated with everything. So give me a little more. And so being able to have those concrete examples like the nitrate reducing bacteria or pulling in what's relevant and distilling it to them, I think is how we're going to get there. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I definitely agree. And that's one of, one of my inspirations and obviously free. Um, so you mentioned uh, about, about the, the oral microbiome and the gut microbiome and how the yeah. mouth is the first part of the gut. And this is something I, I regularly go over with patients, but what are some of the effects it, that you've seen from oral microbiome to the lower gut microbiome? Yeah, so we have a lot of great articles. I can, we can maybe link to it somewhere on the oral gut axis, but um, you know, conditions like IBS, Crohn's, um, you know, one of the most well known is actually with Fusobacterium nucleatum and colorectal cancer, and how they actually test for Fusobacterium nucleatum in a lot of colorectal cancer tests because it's associated with prognosis and actually may be uh, causative in certain instances. Um, so these aren't loose associations. There's lots of research behind it. I think people with gum inflammation are, or with gum disease, are 50% more likely to have IBD. Um, there's, and it all makes sense, right? You know, when we swallow a lot of bacteria, I think the piece that had been missing for a while was how it works because typically the stomach acids, you know, chemical, physical protections against the mouth impact or these bacteria impacting the gut. But when we see the gut in a dysbiotic state or when patients are on medication or have other things that are throwing their gut out of whack, the defenses fail. And then we can really see these bacteria, whether through entering the bloodstream or through direct um, colonization, starting to lead to that trouble. Um, so we had to let the science catch up, but it's fascinating, the connections. And then, you know, it starts to think, you know, why isn't, it, it makes so much sense where we'll talk to people and they'll say, you know, I was doing so much work for SIBO 
And then I tested and realized I had so much inflammation coming from the mouth. Um, and once I started to address that with simultaneously doing my gut work, I started to see real gains. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's great. It, and it's beautiful to see people make those kind of connections. And like, like what happened to you, the light bulb just kind of goes off and you, and you can see it in their eyes. It, it's, it's really, it's a beautiful experience. Um, so what are some of the key features that distinguish what's like a, a healthy microbiome from an unhealthy microbiome? Yeah, um, so the biggest thing, uh, I'll caveat that we're still learning. We're always learning, um, you know, there's so many bacteria and so many pathways that are still being understood. Like just the other day, a species, Selenomonas spudigena, please don't fact check me on pronunciation. Uh, <laughs> two month, months ago, it was discovered that in early childhood caries and then in rat studies, accelerated the decay causing abilities of strep mutans. So now we include that in our tooth decay score. But I think prominently it's looking at the community makeup of the microbiome um, that just because there's some pathogens present, you know, PG quite common in the oral cavity, F nucleatum quite common. Um, it's really about what is their ratio to those beneficial bacteria and to the community at large. So that's where at Bristol, we really try to focus on the community health of making sure we have that secondary measurement of, okay, we see some of these pathogens, but you know, are they 50% of the microbiome, which tends to be associated with gum disease and in a much more dysbiotic state, or are they in like five or 10% where we tend to see more of a healthier community? Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I talk to a lot of patients about as well, is that it, it's not just, oh, just the good bacteria, and then you have the bad bacteria over here. The, they're, the bad bacteria, I call them bad, bad but yeah, bad. Uh, are, they're always present, right? I mean, it, it's just, like you said, in what are the ratios between the two things? I mean, because in my understanding of, of the, the literature is that you can have too much of the good bacteria, and that can lead to a disease state as well. So it's not just focusing on like putting these bacteria in this category and these bacteria in this category. So it, it's a balance and, and, and as well as um, diversity. Yes. Yeah, and that's diversity is another piece that tends to get overlooked um, where often we'll see, you know, you could see zeros for gum inflammation and zeros for tooth decay, which is usually a red flag. You kind of, as you mentioned, want some of those, um, but we'll see patients that will only have, you know, uh, have extremely low diversity and they'll be presenting with symptoms in clinic. Uh, and it can point you to an opportunistic pathogen, something like serratia marsicans or some of these other pathogens that really love to come into the mouth and dominate the community. Um, or even as you mentioned, you could have some of these nitrate reducing species, but if they're at 80% of the microbiome, as you mentioned, it leaves so many different functions of the community uh, unaccounted for. Um, and what we really need is we've co-developed, I mean, we've co-evolved with these bacteria for millennia. And so it's really about trying to maintain what was working and get back to, you know, healthy nutrition and um, really feeding that community and maintaining it the way we should. Yeah, so, so important. Um, and and uh, another fun topic that I like to um, get into rabbit holes on is how stress affects the body. And it's, it affects us in so many different ways, but obviously uh, we're focusing on the, the oral microbiome. So have you noticed or seen any, any data about how either psychological or physiological or both uh, stresses affect the, the microbiome? Yeah. Um, I mean, obvious ones looking at like clenching and teeth grinding or just not taking as optimal care of your health. We know stress tends to lead, I believe is more positively associated with inflammation. Um, everything tends to kind of break down there. Um, I don't have the studies off the top of my head, so I would have to send it over. But, um, you know, I think what gets overlooked a lot is the role of the immune system in oral health. Um, anything that's impacting your immune system negatively is increasing your risk of oral disease. Um, and, you know, one of the cool things I hadn't known was how commensal bacteria actually help train the immune system to be in a less inflamed state. But when you see 
higher inflammation being driven to the oral cavity or less tolerance from the immune system, that's where these uh, inflammatory species can really thrive and really start mm -hmm. to multiply. So basically anything that is inhibiting your immune system or driving inflammation, it's sort of a two-way street. Um, we see that with patients with diabetes or with other types of conditions where increased inflammation or decreased tolerance of the immune system lets these bacteria thrive and then they start creating even more uh, immunological factor or inflammatory factors and leads to like a vicious circle mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned communal bacteria so what, what can you just tell what people tell people what that means yeah so we call uh commensal bacteria um so these are where we're referring to the bacteria that are associated with a healthy microbiome so many of them will um on one hand, they compete for space with these species that tend to be more pathogenic if they grow too large in number, but also take a proactive role in the mouth. So releasing byproducts like hydrogen peroxide that we know uh, these anaerobic species can't tolerate, or even things like bacteriosins. Um, and then again, those nitrate-reducing species too. There's all these really cool defensive pathways these commensal bacteria have developed uh, to help keep us healthy. And so, so often when I'm talking to practices or patients or my friends and family, uh, you know, it's that these healthy bacteria are your best defense against oral disease and the byproducts of oral disease. Um, and so we should start, I, you know, our beneficial buddies, we should start <laughs> treating them like such. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. So start, starting to wrap up a little bit and, I'm curious what, from your perspective, because obviously, like we had discussed, that uh, starting a company is very challenging, especially in a space that uh, starts out at least foreign to you. Um, mm -hmm. But what what at this point makes Bristle different from some of the other oral microbiome testing uh, options that are out there? Yeah. Um, so I think one piece, uh, as we mentioned, is the comprehensiveness of the test. So. Uh, we want to look at everything because we really want uh, want to understand and evolve the science. Uh, you know, if we find this product that does a good job of wiping out the bad bacteria, also completely annihilates all the beneficial bacteria, we need to know that. We need to understand these data points and start developing better products. Um, the other piece I think is um, just making it patient friendly. So we really designed the report to be understandable by patients. So they can look, we summarize the microbiome into scores for different conditions like halitosis and then like nitrate reducing bacteria to really try to level set the conversation. Uh, having been in the chair, um, hearing five, six millimeter pockets or incipient lesions, I don't know what that means. You know, I can understand it's bad, but when I can look at a report and see I have a high abundance of um, pathogenic species and they're associated with all of these things. I, uh, Dr. Yanover in your conversation had mentioned how we're much more attuned to how bacteria and how viruses and microbes affect our health. So I think having that insight you can share with patients helps level set the conversation a bit of, here's why I'm recommending these types of interventions or why I'm recommending these types of treatments. Um, and lastly, we're just very narrowly focused on oral health. Uh, that's all we think about 24-7, uh, probably too much, but, uh, you know, working with practitioners both in the dental space, in the functional medicine space, in the nutrition space of understanding and trying to make this report as useful for you and your patients as we can for oral microbiome health. Yeah, it, it's definitely user-friendly. So I, I want to thank you for that. Um, that that's, one, that's a huge aspect for a lot of people. Um, but one of my personal favorite uh, aspects of it that's different from really any other kind of microbiome, microbiome testing that I've ever encountered is the recommendations part. Mm. And that's just huge. And that you can have, I mean, they're generalized, but they're generalized in a very specific way. So you can take those specific tidbits from these recommendation sections after once you get your report back and just really 
you have a much clearer idea of what you can like tangible things that you can do. You know, like when you have something in front of you, like an oral probiotic that you can take every day that I mean, that's something that you can do that, you know, is going to benefit you along with all the other things like like we were discussing. So I, I commend you for, for creating that and, and, and making uh, kind of up leveling the, the space, so to speak. Um, so yeah, you're welcome. Uh, in closing, so uh, one of the last, the last question I always like to ask people uh, is that if this was the last time you ever had to share your thoughts and you could only share three things that people should start implementing in their lives immediately to improve their health, what would they be? It's a great question. Um, I think, you know, one of the biggest things, as you mentioned, is start small, really figure out what are the tiniest steps you can do to improve an area of your health you're thinking about getting into, and then cut that in half. So, you know, really start as small as possible, build the habits, I think, um, is one of the biggest things, um, for, uh, you know, exercise, obviously, but I think um, just trying to implement walks and um, different ways that don't have to be big running marathons, you know, getting the consistency aspect of the health there. Um, and really, you know, we've touched on it too with sleep, but I think um, implementing mindfulness, and I know this is just going to be one big advertisement for mindfulness at the end, but it's... Um, stress really is the killer i think in terms of your mental health your overall health um so any ways you can try to find that stillness and find what works for you uh is one of the best investments i think you can make in health yeah for sure uh, thank you for that and and you you bring up a, a topic that's i have here a lot of people talk about and i, I used the example of running and people like if you go say like oh i want to run a 5k when you don't even run a half a mile you're you're that uh, for most people that's just too much you know and to first like take out your sneakers and just put them by the door like like, make that your step one you know just to to take those little tidbits and just go at a, a realistic pace for yourself and just keep moving forward so thank you for that. I, re- I really, really appreciate it. Um, if you are there any specific uh, resources or projects or, or kind of offerings that, that you guys have right now at Bristol? And for, for people, just to touch on that real quick, to, for people that want to actually get a kit from, from Bristol, you can go to, to my website, my Instagram. There's links in the link tree in there. You get a little mm-hmm. discount, which is always nice. And uh, all the information will will be on my Instagram page, and and I'll have it linked into into this talk as well. And if you and via the podcast, and but are there any other things that I, I might not know about, or that you guys kind of have coming down the pipeline that that might be interesting to people? Yeah, I mean, first off, thank you for uh, sharing that as a resource. Um, the other thing I love to point people to is our blog. Uh, we have tons of articles there that we've spent a lot of time working with different PhD authors, different researchers to really try to make that a quality resource. Um, so check out our blog. Uh, we have some great articles on oral health and gut health, uh, how diet impacts your oral microbiome and what you can do to implement there. Um, you know, whether you decide to use bristle or not, um, would love you know if you can check out an article and find value in it, feel very very accomplished so um so yeah i would i would point to the blog and you know always feel free to reach out when you reach out on the website it comes right to us so we're we're very excited to connect with all of you awesome that that's great i I appreciate that um those kind of resources are always so beneficial uh so so thank you brian and again follow bristle on instagram it's at bristle health uh the website is bristle bristle the bristlehealth.com and then you can see this episode um on youtube and instagram and you'll be able to see it on apple spotify podcast all the all the all the different outlets uh that that i that i can get to uh and again as, as as always 
the comments, feedback, and suggestions from people are, are always welcome. Please feel free to reach out. Just like Brian said, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I, I love hearing from people and kind of getting new ideas and suggestions or what people do like, don't like, and, and what you want to hear about. So um, thank you for watching the Art of, Art of Mindful Medicine. Uh, click all the, the like and subscribe and share buttons and all that kind of fun stuff uh, to, to spread, spread the health. Um, and again, you can see all, all future episodes on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple, just search the art of mindful medicine. It'll pop up for you. And as always, I'd like to end with a quote. And I think this is really appropriate when we're talking about such, um, small microorganisms. <clears throat> this is from Vincent van Gogh. And he said, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. So food for thought, everybody. Um, again, Brian, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate this and I appreciate the, 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 the push and the movement that, that you guys are, are being really instrumental in. Thank you so much for having me and for all the work you do in creating the community um, and creating such a great resource. Uh, I always love listening to all the episodes and learning. So uh, thank you for all you do. Thanks, Brian. All right. Be well, everybody. <laughs>